¿Qué ondas, primos y primas? And welcome to My Primos Podcast, the show where two primos talk about world events and interrupt each other as much as possible. On this week's show, we bring you an update in the uprising in Nicaragua. We also talk about Sarah Huckabee's but hurt response to a very simple question. This and more, so you really gotta check it out. All right, guys, welcome to My Primos Podcast. My name is Freddie. Thank you all for joining us once again. And tonight with me, I have, as always, el, el, the mysterious man, el hombre de misterio. El rey el, misterio. Rey misterio. Ahí te vas no. a llamar ahora. El primo no. Walter, o Walter, siete. I don't even know, man. Uh, ¿Quién sos? Hoy, ¿quién, quién sos? Uh, I, I, I get a little, I'm going to get a little bit intense tonight, so Walter. Walter. That hard G. And with me tonight as well, as a, a return guest. Special, still special. Uh, Mikey, how you doing, Mike? Good, doing great. Thank you for having me again. Nah, man, thanks glad for coming back. back. I'm glad you didn't get scared off last time we were here because Walter's sniffling didn't get no. in the way. No, it's close. Yeah, it's close. <laughs> well, guys, I uh, just want to just throw it out there. If this is your first night and uh, listening to the show, we definitely appreciate you coming on board. Uh, you can follow us all over social media at My Primos Podcast. Just look us up. We're there. And very active, so go ahead and slip into the DMs or Walter can, can hit you back. And also, you can email us directly at myprimospodcast at gmail.com. And just let us know your thoughts, uh, future topics, and uh, any insults. Because we did get a few insults, by the way, which uh, we'll share on a future show. So, yeah, interesting, yeah. interesting stuff. Uh, hey, even if it's bad, I'll take it. So, keep it coming, I guys. love the Love the hate. You gotta love, love the hate. Because somebody's listening. <laughs> Even if they're hating, they're listening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That means they're listening. Yeah, that's not the, only is yeah. the CIA listening, but so are they. So that's the thing. You know, we yeah, gotta make Everyone loves to hate. Everyone loves to hate, man. But so, uh, guys, let's go ahead and just, uh, it's been a while and let's catch up. Mikey, man, tell me. I mean, I know you went to, you were in France during the Mundial. How was that? I was in, I was in France. I was in Europe. I was in, uh, game plan was to just be out in Europe hoping some European team would make it to the final. So we're closely watching every single match and following who's going to win and where we're going to go and where we're going to be. Just so happens we're going to be in Barcelona. Barcelona was only three hours away from France. Rented a car, drove to France for the final match. And, man, that was an experience. We spoke zero French, so it was, very, it was really hard to get around. But... That must have been great. Uh, I just knew I had to order a large beer and uh, how many of the beers I needed to get, and that's all I need to know. Hey, man. <laughs> like, un, du, trois beer, right? That's all it took. So. Yeah, okay. Just... Le fromage, le fromage. That's a... Hand signs, honestly. They asked me a question. I said, I don't know. I just I have money. I, I just <laughs> give you this money. Yeah, I universal. just want one, two, or three beers. Uh, yay high, yay tall, and uh, yeah, I just want that must have been like really cool to be in the country itself while their team is playing. Oh yeah, that was an experience. That was uh, that was amazing. It was uh, we went to we actually googled what are the best places to watch the World Cup or World Cup games in Europe in France and Montpellier was one of the cities that was very close to Barcelona, which was where we were at, and it was only three hours away. So wow. there was this, a cent, central, like a commune area where everyone was, 
they had a huge screen. They had security for all these people to go in, and that's where we went to watch the game. And it was it was amazing. It was, cool, it was man. Crazy. Walter, you haven't done anything interesting recently, have you? No, no, my mertot. <laughs> well, to mention for all for all the people that can that are listed using the theater of the mind, you can picture Walter. Oh, Walter is a shirtless being with the oh, backwards no, I'm hat. Nude right now. Oh, nude. I'm nude. Sorry, I'm a nude, nude I'm being. A hat. I'm only seeing from the chest up, but he's wearing a hat yeah. and a belt and nothing else. So I don't know what the belt's yeah, that's for. That's it, man. <laughs> he's a bro. And- and black socks. That's it. Black socks. You gotta keep your feet warm. <laughs> He's a bro. He's a bro. No man, but uh, what have you been up to, Walter? I haven't seen you in a week. Well, I visited you up there last week, and right now just fixing the car today. Fucking broke down on me, so got that fixed. But other than that, no working on material with you, going over the show, that type of stuff. Yeah, man, it's, it's trying it's, to trying uh, to come up with segments and stuff. We gotta stuff. come up with keep segments, man. I'll touch on it, you know. I got a, I got some feedback from some people, and I'll go more in depth on a future show. But I got some feedback from uh, a listener saying that they dig that they're getting more of a peek, you know, into our lives a little bit. Like they kind of like follow that my kids, my kid, and and you, mm-hmm. and kind of the interactions back and forth. <clears throat> so les gusta, you know, that we're talking about la familia and las cosas que hacemos, and that also just a, uh, you know, the idea that in the future we can start incorporating more personal stuff so we'll see you know we'll see where it goes no promises really we try to keep it as just chill but also just on point with some of the stuff we talk about what if you try to be i don't know a veces me sale yeah. a veces no a ver que pasa uh, pero you know yo quiero um, nomás comentar que agradezco a toda la gente que escucha el programa y you know we have had some really good feedback from people and the haters are gonna hate but i really appreciate everyone that has been listening uh, you know, we do. Oh, no. When there's support. hate, I want I want more hate. I want more hate. Hate, want more hate. Someone's listening, man. Somebody's listening. No, definitely. So we want to just keep doing this. Know that we, the, the positive that I've gotten from it is that we have been making people more aware of, of things happening in the world and also just bringing back some memories. You know, I got a lot of love from the last episode regarding the nostalgia and stuff we grew up on and. And especially some positive uh, feedback about representation in Latinos. So we got to keep doing that, man. We got to keep it going. And we can keep doing it with your support and just keep spreading the word. You know, the more people that listen, the bigger this gets, the bigger the community. And we're just here to, you know, make noise. Jim, uh, that not only you and the media attack the president for his rhetoric uh, when they frequently lower the level of conversation in this country. Repeatedly, repeatedly, the media resorts to personal attacks without any content other than to incite anger. Uh, The media has attacked me personally on a number of occasions, including your own network, said I should be harassed as a life sentence, that I should be choked. ICE officials are not welcomed in their place of worship and personal information is shared on the Internet. When I was hosted by the Correspondents Association, of which almost all of you are members of, you brought a comedian up to attack my appearance and call me a traitor to my own gender. In fact, as I know, um, I'm as far as I know, I'm the first press secretary in the history of the United States that's required Secret Service protection. The media continues to ratchet up the verbal assault against the president and everyone in this administration. And... Certainly, we have a role to play, but the media has a role to play for the discourse in this country as well. For, for the sake of this, this room, the people who are in this room, this democracy, this country, 
all the people around the world are watching what you're saying, Sarah, and the White House for the United States of America, the President of the United States should not refer to us as the enemy of the people. His own daughter acknowledges that, and all I'm asking you to do, Sarah, is to acknowledge that right now and right here. I, I appreciate your passion. I share it. Um, I've addressed this question. I've addressed my personal feelings. I'm here to speak on behalf of the president. He's made his comments clear. All right, guys. That was Sarah Huckabee Sanders, the White House press secretary, and her response to a reporter named Jim Acosta that basically just asked her to clarify that journalists are not the enemy of the people or America. So I played that clip because that's where our first topic is tonight is her response, not only her reaction to it, but just a question in general. The fact that journalists are now been villainized by, you know, the government, the White House, this administration, the Trump administration, like they're the enemy, the people. And so tell me, guys, Mike, you tell me hearing her speech Hearing, you know, how the CNN reporter was just asking, hey, let's clarify. We're not enemies here. I'm here to just provide information. What are your thoughts about her response, man? Well, all journalists have their agenda, and uh, all governments have their agenda, or, or opposing parties have their own agendas. Uh, Jim Acosta is a very, you know, well-known reporter, uh, journalist, and... I mean, every I, it just America has the freedom of speech. Everyone should. Everyone has, you know, the right to report on whatever what they like. Um, I, I honestly just feel like maybe Huckab Sarah Huckabee's just been a little fed up with what she's been going through. It's not an easy job. You know, she's been getting a lot of heat from a lot of different angles for a very long time, and. You know, it kind of sounds like she's uh, been getting a little upset about it, but that's her position. The alcohol's not cutting it anymore, probably. <laughs> the pearls, the pearls aren't aren't doing their magic. Yeah. Está cansada, está como like, ya está enfadada, man. Like, you know, Walter, what what are your thoughts, man? I know you got something to say. You've been biting your tongue. I see it. You're flickering at me. I mean, but just just to point out, like, because I was listening to NPR, I was listening to NPR, and they were pointing out, which is a very important point, pointing out that this is not the first and only president that has accused the the journalism or the media as enemies of the state. This is not the first guy to do it. This is not original work. Nothing that Trump is does is original. But like, in this day and age of you know how connected we are in terms of you know how the immediacy of news and events spreading and propagating themselves as quick as they do especially when you know Trump does it his words reach a far much larger audience now and is much more effective at just continuing to just propagate the bullshit that he says so then just that's one point right no, definitely. And then going back to uh -huh. no, well, mira, going to puta uh, déjame hablar. Ah, mira, here's the thing. Well, you pause, motherfucker. I told you to fucking let me talk, man. See, so like, here's the thing. Like, to to give you credit on that, what I want to talk about is that you're right that because of how 
immediate information gets passed around now and the president we have in the White House and how people have been able to simply blindly follow this man and believing his word to be law, yep. no matter how crazy it is. And even look at the words she used that you guys have undermined his rhetoric. Okay, rhetoric is not a nice way to put someone being eloquent. Okay, it, 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 it's like, <laughs> okay, no, it's, it's like, not, oh my God. It's not flattering to say that the rhetoric that okay, the president is. What's the definition of rhetoric to begin with? Like, it, it means being persuasive. That's kind of uh-huh. a, a definition, like kind of being persuasive. Mm-hmm. So think about it. Yeah. You use the word uh, rhetoric. The that, that, that the author uh, presumes to be assumed by the, the audience. So, like, if I ask you something, oh, that was a rhetorical question. Yeah. That's what confused me for the longest time. I, like, I, I, it took me a long time to realize that there's similarity between a rhetorical question and rhetoric. Yeah, so it's it's manipulation. It's manipulation yeah. of uh, of information, which what does Trump do? You know, what does Sarah Huckabee do? She has to present information in a way to where you're shining a positive light on what they're doing, and and kind of and this administration has constantly had to have someone at the guard. This is what what is what is this person now? She's the the third to fourth person, number three, <laughs> number three that's been yeah, in this sometimes. position yeah, as a White good. House, you know, press secretary. But what did you guys notice? Yeah. In Kesefihadon, how she reacted. What was different about this time? Typically, um, San- Huckabee Sanders, she's very good at at, at kind of answering questions and just kind of sidelining them and then bringing up something else and kind of like shut. She's very good at shutting up reporters pretty much like shut up that's it you know moving on next one what are you saying no that's ridiculous move you know so but this one you can kind of see you know that her shell or armor cracked a little bit and it got to her and she kind of like actually you know she's not a robot now you know she she can bleed that's what it she's felt like thanos like. yeah she she's bleeds. like she's like thanos man <laughs> it took that much to make her bleed you know, it's hey, right. spicy like, all can that only take so much. It, that's true, spicy man. Spicy can only take so much too. He, he he gave up before you know he got to that point. Yeah, everyone has a breaking point, you know, and I think that this is just showing the wear, because hey, man, wear and tear, man. Todos, Trump, todos somos, somos humanos, dude. Like we're just human beings, and eventually, that consumes you. And when you watch the clip yourself, and we do recommend you watch it, we'll post it on our our Facebook. Uh, at my Pedimos podcast, you'll see the clip where she looks down at a written statement. She knew this was coming. She had prepared a statement for something like this because when you're in that position, you know what's kind of coming your way. Like, what's the news of the day? You know, what's happening around us? How What's going to come our way? She had a written statement, maybe not directly to Jim Acosta's uh, question, but she had something written that she wanted the opportunity to say. And so she knew that she had to see she, she was butthurt. She was fucking emotionally hit with this. And so when you do that, when you hurt someone in that position, they, it makes it scary because now they're going to do everything possible to twist that person they're afraid of. What does Trump do? Attack the reporter, you know? Yeah, but then also I'm always, I'm always skeptical about anything this administration does. Like to me, esta madre puede que sea circo también, and it's just you know. You think it's but, todo planeado? But I don't know. But at but just to stick to you know what we saw, and let's go ahead and do that. 
the reporter did a really good job of not letting himself get sidelined by by her and to just kind of dismiss. She he came back and very eloquently kind of reiterated it, you know, restating the question and not letting himself get sidelined by her. So he showed respect that he claimed no, she claimed was not being shown to her and restated the question and she had, you know, como caí si le cayó and she had to, she ended up actually answering a question, you know. It was a personal one if yeah. you think about it. It was not a question regarding Trump. It was a personal question, you know. Mike? Yeah, but at the same time, this was Jim Acosta. It was not just any other reporter. Like, Jim Acosta is not typically the one yeah. to be asking her questions. She was, she, this was someone and a situation where she wasn't able to sideline this guy and stiff arm this guy and just say, oh, next question. No, this is Jim Acosta. You can't sideline Jim Acosta. Come on. He's, he's, <laughs> you can't sideline No, nah, he's like, like it's that. like, what is it? He is her crux. Like, it's that. He's like the top girly of the Rams. <laughs> You're over my head, man. Over my head. That was an LA. That was an LA football joke. Over my head. That was an LA Rams fan joke. So for all the all you LA Rams fans out there, cheers to you guys. Girly, we're going all the way. Okay, <laughs> all the girly fans. But but to say on that is like, you know, he's a great spear and she's a great shield. You know, someone has to break or they'll both fucking die. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so today, she broke. Like, Jim Acosta got his job done. Like, he showed how how yeah. this question, and this is what I want to kind of roll the conversation into is, this question needs to be clarified because this is a problem with this administration, okay? Desde que se puso en control la administración de Trump, there's been a constant attack with information, right? Always a constant attack with fake news, fake news, fake news. And I know we're going to touch on it moving forward, but the is, is the journalist the enemy of the state? Is the journalist the enemy of the people? What are your thoughts on that statement? Be realistic. I mean, I went to school with a lot of people who were liberal studies, journalism majors. You're a journalist. You're trying to get into and be very honest about any topic that you're very passionate about as a journalist. Yeah, the the mainstream uh, belief is maybe that as a journalist you're trying to manipulate people. But in reality, if you knew people who are in school as journalists, people who are studying to be, you know, communication majors, English majors, anybody who's in that sort of field, they're trying to get into any, you know, news. Uh, agency that they could, right? I, I truly believe that they're genuinely trying to report a good story and trying to come out on top with a good story. So you, know? you think that yes, it's it's more of a... The journalist, as far as you know it, and your experience with them, is more so like, hey, man, I just need to have a voice to get me on something, to get me onto a network, to get me onto some no. type of society, or what is we were trying to say? No, what I'm trying to say is that I, I have a, a real, uh, res, you know, respect and real uh, admiration for journalists and, and people who are in that industry to not, yeah, yeah, if you get a good story, you might get into a good organization, good channel, good, you know, radio show, but 
from my experience, from the people that I have met, and I've met a lot of people, uh, most people really are very uh, genuinely interested in becoming good reporters. I didn't go to school for journalism, but even as an engineering major, uh, the stories that we had to tell, the the, the report, the, all the projects that we had, everything had to be cited and and documented and what you learn in school is that you need to cite everything that you publicize. And Wikipedia right? like, is not a good source. Wikipedia. And we, yeah, and I learned that the hard way. What you learn as a journalist student is that you learn not to, or where you, you learn how to get your sources, where to get your sources from, and to prove to people that your story is true, fully authenticized by your own efforts, because... If you weren't doing that when you were going to school, you weren't passing the class, you know. So fake news, like when I hear, when I'm hearing fake news to a reporter, like if, I'm pretty sure this reporter, if he's at CNN, he is a pretty uh, established reporter based on what he has accomplished, and his resume isn't saying bullshit. Like, I mean, I I couldn't even cite. As an engineering major, I couldn't cite anything that wasn't uh, a true physics law or true, uh, true, you know, engineering law. So well, shit. I mean, I know that it's and to touch on that, just to kind of give hand in hand with that, if you doctor the numbers or fuck with the the system that you've been taught in engineering, people could die. I mean, you're looking at like you hold people's lives and accountability in a in a structure, whatever it is. If you fudge the numbers and, and, and are not citing it correctly, dude, shit is literally falling to the ground. So same goes to your topic with when it comes to a journalist, that if we're expected, if these journalists are expected to uh, produce something that is factual, then we need to give them the credit that credit's due. But, right. Walter. Okay, so just to add on to that, let don't also don't forget that journalism is the only profession, or it, I don't know if it's the only one, but it, according to the Shield Law, that's a legislation that protects journalism. So journalism is actually protected by the government, pretty much. And then in addition to that, you know, just to go back to this whole mess, where media and journalists are getting attacked. Let's also not also forget and let them let you know the the larger you know media conglomerates or whatever they created this monster. They created Trump. They're the ones that dedicated most of their airtime to Trump because Trump sold ads. Trump made them money. You know, like even they say one of the heads of CBS, I think it was, uh, they asked him and he said, "Oh, none of this is good for democracy, but it's good for money." You know, so the, it's something that they also themselves created, but at the same time have to make up for it. And hey, they, they're putting, they're getting put through the ringer, and have to figure this shit out themselves and 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 put in the work. And like Mikey was saying, that journalists are journalists, and they're, you know, I, I imagine that the, you know, foot soldiers in journalism, the ones doing the groundwork and putting in the work, they're doing their job. They're they're citing their work. They're doing. And ethical, you know, they're being ethical about it. But then higher up, whatever comes after that, and whoever manages the actual, you know, what comes out of this themselves, I imagine that, you know, they're doing good work, you know. 
like uh-huh. the one thing I want to get here to to close our our topic is that on both sides of the spectrum, left to right, or even middle or extreme, whatever you want to go on this whole map of you know political and and just social issues, everything can have a slant to it. Everything can be twisted. Everything gets filtered, like Walter says. Whoever decides its distribution of information at the end of the day, we're at their whim, right? They decide at the end of the day how they want to twist that story. And then, yeah, the foot soldier, the guy on the ground, the guy citing the work, he's expecting something that he put out there to go out. Here you go. And the problem nowadays is that the consumer, us, general people, are lazy mm-hmm. and don't want to be able to go and do the double check their work. They're not going to check the work. They're going to just base it upon, hey, man, you know what? That guy sounds sounds about right. I'm good with that. You know, and that's what's happened with this whole issue with this administration. Todas las estupideces que dice Trump. Um, everybody just kind of takes it at face value. And because the general consumer of this information is not willing to do the legwork and check their sources. You know, you would expect this to be factual. Same things like, People going into conspiracy theories, people going into just everybody blaming on the left and the right. All this could be easily squashed if we're able to just do the work. Because I don't care how much I like you as a journalist. If I can go back and let me look this shit up. And if I do enough work and look through it and there's holes in your story, how can I believe everything else? And that's what we think we need to do as a people. We're educated. If you're listening to this show... And you're up. Dude, if you know how to use a computer, listen to a podcast, and watch YouTube, you can do the research and just make sure that this shit that you're listening to, that you're believing, is legit. And I mean, and and from what, I mean, just to touch up on what, you know, cousin here Stan is saying, it doesn't mean that you literally have to go out and, you know, do no, reporting no, no. yourself. No, I don't want you to go run out in the but, street and interview yeah, people, but... but but like for example, if you hear news from one source, check out another source. And sometimes either they're saying the same thing or they're pointing out their own flaws. You know, like I'll listen to NPR, I'll listen to CNN a little bit, I'll listen to uh, Democracy Now, Al Qaeda. Uh, Al Qaeda. <laughs> Don't listen to Al Qaeda. <laughs> I'll listen to Al Qaeda okay. news. Uh, and then no, but then our RT, RT Russia Today. And, 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 and within all the information that comes out of that, you know, you kind of start creating, um, gathering and saying, you know what, this is what's actually happening, you know, because if you just stick to one source, be it a progressive one or a very right-wing conspiracy theory, Alex Jones type shit, you're only getting one side and they're going to tell you that thing and then all of a sudden, you know, you, you, you get like the stupidest ass, like we get into, Michelle Obama was a, woman, a man. We get into <laughs> you know, this, like, this yeah. like cluster Tornado of tornado of of rhetoric, and sharknado of the rhetoric. sharknado sharknado or sharknado sharknado and what's that Jason Statham Jason Statham movie to be more precise the the giant shark for some reason came to mind that giant shark mega, mega. the megalops shark that Jason Statham's fighting uh-huh. sharks now anyways megalodon uh, megalodon there you go Jason Statham yeah. he's like you don't want to do that you know but he's fighting a shark point is um. No, just taking it at face value is not going to be uh, the best thing for any side. La policía te está extorsionando, Dinero. pero ellos viven.
vende lo que tú estás pagando Y si te tratan como a un delincuente Ladrón. No es tu culpa Dale gracias al regente Hay que arrancar el problema de raíz Ajá. Y cambiar al gobierno de nuestro país A la gente que está en la burocracia A esa gente que le gustan las migajas Yo por eso me quejo y me quejo Porque aquí es donde vivo Y yo ya no soy un pendejo Que no guachas los puestos del gobierno Hay personas que se están enriqueciendo Gente que vive en la pobreza Nadie hace nada, nadie hace nada Porque a nadie le interesa La gente de arriba te detesta This is the type of shit you mosh pit too, man It's like a mosh pit ballad si le das más poder al poder, someone finish that. Más duro te van a venir a coger. That is not a lie. Yeah, definitely. Well, guys, that is Molotov with "Give Me the Power." I mean, that fuck, dude. Listen to that song. You said a ballad, a mosh ballad. Mosh pit ballad. Like I can, you know, that's a. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. Mosh Pit Valley. Well, today, Mikey's on the show again, you know, uh, just kind of give us an, an update. Uh, if this is your first time listening, you want, may want to go back uh, once you hear this and kind of get a refresher on a previous episode for uh, called SOS Nicaragua. Uh, that's the hashtag that you can follow as well to kind of get updates on what's going on in Nicaragua from the people on the ground themselves. And so we're going to touch on just uh, an update. Uh, some some new information and just uh, just I want to know what's going on, Mike. You know, tell us. I mean, you're here. You're, you're so sharing. So if, and... if I can if I can kind of like suggest this to because again this is you know we're not journalists, right? We're we're just consumers, right? Consumers and disseminators of information that we think that is usually not disseminated as much as it should. Um, what are some of the? Huh? We have good sources. Yeah, no, that's what I'm saying. So if you could right now, right at the start of it, immediately, and we can digest it, you know, as we go, what are some of the immediate updates that you have right now for us, right now, right now? So the most critical things are a few. Um, so because you Daniel, just got some, right? Yeah. So Daniel Ortega, being the current president of, of Nicaragua, has had recently agreed on having interviews with uh, an, a reporter from CNN, Andres Oppenheimer, or well, before that was a reporter from Fox News, Brett Baer, and uh, either before or after Oppenheimer was uh, an interview with Euro News, Euro News, reporter Oscar Valero. This has been the first dialogue between the country and its citizens, or the government and its citizens. Daniel Ortega's role really has been in every single, in every one of these three interviews has really been, uh, you know, deny, 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 deny of any accusations of a murder of, of the protesters, um, the count, the number of people who have been killed, uh, the reports that have been made by the CIDH, uh, uh, which is a human rights organization. Um, so then, as far the, as... the information through these interviews has all been lies. He's just, or is he denying? Because 
to kind of give people a little bit of a of a, a refresher. He's using the Trump card. He's doing the Trump Ooh, thing that we're talking he's about using earlier. His right? Trump card. The whole deny, deny, deny thing. He's just using the same Trump tactic, which in his case doesn't really work that well because you have people Proof. with cell phones out in the field recording shit and posting it in on media and Instagram like SOS Nicaragua, right? Where it's out there and he's completely just saying no it's not true it's not true and then he um what it's been what's the 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 the, the death toll at this point Mikey uh at this point it's over 400 wow and he's claiming it's what uh, 190 something so here's my question to you him doing these interviews it's him simply kind of como despistando la gente like he's just throwing rhetoric you know the aforementioned rhetoric around and misinformation to simply kind of squash using these big organizations you said fox news cnn that's both sides of the aisle pretty much right of the argument Segun, yeah. right and now he's painting a different picture for the rest of the world because beforehand to from my experience there was a limited amount of information getting out to the rest of the world to see what's going on this was trying to be controlled at the at the nicaragua level you know, todo quedarlo uh, como lo controlaba por gobierno, toda la información. And so now he's going outside of Nicaragua to tell this story. But is it just simply to gain public opinion? Como que la gente que yo que soy encargado, yo quiero que me crean a mí. Como dice, he wants to play his trump card. Or why do you think this is being done? Why is he doing these interviews at all? My personal opinion, I honestly think that he doesn't even know the difference between the stance of Fox News and versus CNN, and we all know that there's a huge difference. I really think that he does not know the difference. Um, and either yeah, way, yeah, but okay, okay, but does it say something that he's provided that that the first interviews that he's come or gone ahead and put you know agreed to are with English speaking channels? It's not with Telemundo. It's not with Jorge Ramos. It's not with within the Spanish-speaking diaspora that's here of Nicaragua and in a larger sense just Latinidad in, in general, he's doing it with English-speaking channels like Fox and CNN, right? Which, tell me, who would do a better job of interviewing the president of Nicaragua than, you know, a Latino uh, channel, news organization, news reporter like Jorge Ramos, to which, you know, the, the consumers of, and, and, and it'll be more pertinent you know digesters of that news and eager to know would be latinos you know why do it with with english channels and not with latino reporters you know that's my question too like it's weird well, well the first you know the first interview was with uh, fox news uh, brett Baer, um and you can if you look up that interview on youtube or wherever your source of news may be you can look at that interview and see where there's a there's a there's just a it's not a fluent uh, conversation. It's not a fluent. Oh, um, very cut and a bunch of like or what? It's like it's his it's him. I mean, it's him answering questions after he's translated to him, and he's not even answering the questions. Honestly, does it, does it feel know, staged? It feels like. You're gonna look at him and think he's just dumb. <laughs> to be, but to be also, he, 
Hey, so he's definitely doing the Trump thing. He's doing he's the Trump thing, definitely, Trump right? Thing. Those are to, to, yeah. to move on, because the interviews are one thing, and so he he's doing these interviews, and como dice Walter, I think I, I'm on point with that. I like it, because imaginate, like, if we take Jorge Ramos, for example, which right now is kind of that forefront of the Latino, yeah. you know, uh, Latino, even yeah. like Jim Acosta kind of example, you know, like, these guys that are known for like not giving a shit and really digging for the story, what you talked about, have a whole portfolio of work that can be cited and appropriate and can well, be trusted. Jorge Ramos knows how to deal with, well, just, with Trump. <laughs> so. Yeah, no, just, and, and, and that's a good point that you brought up. I mean, Jorge Ramos has actually uh, called him out even before all these interviews took place. Before the interview with uh, Brett Baird with Fox News took place, uh, Trump, uh, I mean, uh, Jorge Ramos called uh, Ortega out asking him, can you please, you know, give me an interview? And then once the interview was granted with Brett Baver with Fox News was pu- um, was become- was public, um, Jorge Ramos put out a tweet saying, hey, I'm glad to see that you're uh, willing to interview with the English news source, but and I'll be ready to interview you. You know, it's a straight up call out. It's calling I, think, I, I, think, I think a lot of that is tactic, I feel, because just like what happened with Trump, with um, um, it's sort of a tactic of just, you know, smokescreen type thing where the fact that there's a translation and communication breakdown because of the, you know, language barrier, they can easily say, oh, it was just, you know, it was just, it was had to do with the language barrier. It, it had to, like with Trump, when Trump said, like, would, I didn't, I didn't mean to say would, I meant to say wouldn't, uh, why wouldn't Russia, you know, like that whole tactic of uh, just twisting words, you know? So we got denial on these interviews. What's happening on the ground? Because yeah. we're looking at this big picture that he's painting for the rest of the world, be it United States, be it English-speaking people, be it whatever. That's his. And that, a very bad, and a very bad job at it. Yeah, pero qué dice la gente? I mean, I know you have an ear to the ground as far as kind of some some public opinion things that are happening. I mean, I have questions too when it comes to to the people on the ground, the students, the people that are fighting this. What do you know of that? What updates do we have? Last time you shared, we were talking about people. There were cities that were without, you know, certain necessities that were not being met still. You know that I read recently that even doctors are being, you know, ostracized and not allowed to care for people. What is happening to la gente, to, to la, la, la comunidad? What's happening there? Um, what I've seen and what I've noticed in following the news and what's been going on, um, since these interviews have been taking place, there has been a reduction. The violence that's been uh, being publicized by the media, and the, not just the, not the media. I'm not even gonna say the media because the media. Yes, or, that's. Well, I wanted well, we to ask you a question on that. MSM mainstream media. There's uh-huh. no such thing as mainstream media. I want to ask you a question on that. Um, what the one thing I've noticed that when we did the initial, you know, episode for SOS Nicaragua, we we touched on the fact that no media outlet, not even Democracy Now, had done covered anything on Nicaragua. Like very small snippets here and there, five minute clips of just about oh this is happening, and not a very good picture at reporting it. Obviously, you can in five minutes, 
But then recently, the last week or so, two weeks, that's when I've started to hear more reporting about Nicaragua from the big news sources, right? So then that's like that's what you're talking about right now that there hasn't been any reporting and then all of a sudden there's news reporting but then there's also this um, void or, or like when there's about to be a tsunami it's like the water's receding and there's like very little information coming from social media itself like I follow SOS Nicaragua and there's been like not as much because you send me material all the time look this is happening this is happening this is happening and I've seen less and less and less of that. So it's like a pattern that you mentioned, you notice in terms of just in the ground. Because people are people are not putting their phones away for sure. The violence is still occurring. So what the hell is really happening in terms of why there's all of a sudden a void of information that of, of constant information that had been coming in? Totally, definitely. And what I want to say upon that is that I noticed that trend, the trend of uh, since the interview took place with Ortega and these yeah. major media outlets. So what I've noticed is that a lot of the um, violent acts that have been reported and um, publicized within all sorts of social media have been reduced since these interviews with Daniel Ortega. It could be maybe my in my theory because he is now noticing that uh, the world is watching. Everyone is watching. Um, the world uh, hum human rights organizations are watching, and it may be a time now for him to stop. Now he knows what everyone is watching is in this scene. In that case, and I want to. This is what I want to. We're kind of dancing around it. We are not seeing people dying. Okay, understand that. This is what was happening in the beginning. It was like an underground uh, hashtag that was unfiltered, uncontrolled, unmeasured. That we were seeing people being killed in the street. We were seeing houses on fire. We were seeing people running bloody in the street. We were seeing groups of uh, police or military attacking unarmed people. That was what we were seeing. And which is why I was very passionate about making you no know, make noise don't don't let this go away but now with the interviews it's on the radar the world is watching is this also either one or two things are happening okay please follow me here guys tell me what you think is it a blessing because he has to back the fuck up and go oh shit let me uh -huh. calm the fuck down because everybody's one. watching one or is it i'm still gonna do what i'm gonna do but let me put my hands into the fucking mix and start filtering the content and all you're seeing right now, if you go to hashtag SOS Nicaragua, are demonstrations. People walking, people showing flags. You don't see what we were seeing a month ago. Your thoughts, Mike? Yeah, so I know that after these interviews, um, a lot of things have toned down as far as what we're seeing in the, in the media, as far as what we see out here in the United States. Uh, but at the same time, what what kind of made me question and kind of encouraged me to start looking into a topic that I brought up the last time that I was on here with you guys um, in, in the sense, well, in the topic where I told, I said that the children of 
Daniel Ortega, Daniel Ortega's children oh, okay. run the media. Then I started, I got curious and I started, and I decided to look into which channels do his children actually own, and was that even true? You know, this was something that I was told by, you know, my family members. I never actually really, you know, hypocritical, so, like hypocritical they control, on my you behalf. Say, you say stations, they're controlling, like, TV so stations. They own. They they own. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I heard, you know, for, to me that was, that, that was something Shit, that's I a had gun. my own family. That's a smoking gun oh, yeah. out there, you know? So, so I started Googling, you know, which stations do his kids actually own. And this is on Wikipedia. This is on different articles. It's, it would be, you can do, and you can Google this. Canal 2, Channel 2, Nicaragua. Uh, Channel 4, Nicaragua. Channel 6, Nicaragua. Channel 8, Nicaragua. Channel 14, 14, Nicaragua. <laughs> you go to every single one, and I have all these tabs. Look. Um, you have I have all these wow. tabs open on my browser, and the top news, the top news on these on any one of these channels have nothing to do with the protesters, have nothing to do mm. with what's going on, how many people have been killed, you know. Ponte pensar, pensar que en tu país you're literally having an uprising, but the but the first page on there is about. A celebrity, celebrity gossip or something like it's like it's not, it's not necessary. It's not the main focus. Imagínate, like it's blatant. Yeah, go you you can go like I encourage you to Google these pages: Canal 2, Canal 4, Canal 6, Canal 8, uh, and you see. So they're just uh, a, that, that whole thing is just a propaganda machine for him. Let Let me read this to you: Un muerto, un herido en accidente de tránsito. Do you think that's the top news? What's actually going on in Nicaragua? No. No, of course not. Uh, come on, like that's that's. Look, look, no, you know one... what? I went to Canal Canal Ocho, Nicaragua, and you know what came up? The first thing that came up. Uh, lanzan campaña para reactivar turismo en Nicaragua. Yeah, I'm looking at that too. What the fuck? Imagine that. Yeah. they're looking at doing. Hey, we're opening up tourism again in Nicaragua. That's blatant. That it's is blatant. blatant. It's a blatant display of of manipulation. So, question going back to what Stanley said. So, is there a a a, a reduction in violence on the part of uh, the government and the army, or is there? Because if they own that many stations, do they also own fucking cell phone towers, cell phone providers? Do they I'm own all sure. that shit too? So yeah. then it's like so, they can filter. It's easy for them to filter content out and not, you know, not let it leave the country to begin. I don't know, like. Dude, so I'm is just it? I, I'm with Walter. Point, is it? But... Is it that there's less violence because they're being watched, or is it because it's being controlled that we can't see it? So this is what I'm gonna say, and this was an update that I received today personally. Under so, so then we'll call this an undisclosed source, but this is a legitimate source and information that you just got right now as we were speaking, pretty much. The word around the count, the story is now that I mean, it's been the story, but it's been something that not it hasn't been um, reported. Reported 
The story is now, which is something that hasn't been reported, is that the students who initially started a lot of the protests and the unrest and uprising organized, have, like organized, orga organizing oh, yeah. were forced to flee to the mountains and to the outskirts of a lot of the cities and are now even leaking out to uh, neighboring countries like Costa Rica where the paramilitary, para-police, para-policias are, are extending out to They're hunting them down. What? They're hunting fuck, them down. Fucking, they're getting half. Fuck, man. This is... And there's, there's actually... There's videos that I've seen where these students are actually climbing mountains, climbing, like, hills to, like... I mean, I'm, what I'm thinking to myself is, how are they even... What are they eating? Like, how, how are they surviving? Like, they're running away... Like they're being chased. You're being chased by, I mean, you're being chased by military police that have weapons, have Mike, you know. I'm sure I, they have. I'm with you, man. And I, I I hear this. This is very serious, man. It's serious and it's it's scary. It's sad. It's it's. So you just found this out. I had heard about it. But now a you, while can, back. you can say that it's. it's now I confirmed. Confirmed. Yeah. And actually, one thing that I that I heard was that a what a news source actually disclosed irresponsibly the paths that a lot of students and people wow. were taking wow. into the mountains wow. through media sources, where uh, the government was able to obviously just read up on and see and, and, just, and look at the maps of where these people were going and were actually able to capture them. Wow. So actually a lot of the biggest story and a lot of the biggest news now is how many people have been captured, how many people um, are, that, that a lot of people that are missing, where are these people? There's a lot of so okay, so what it feels like since the beginning of you know since the hunt you know hundred and what eight days that has happened, this good this you know uprising got organized and established and you know thought out through the you know student organizing right. So then these students went ahead and spearheaded this uprising, organized around it, did a very good job about it, reported on it on social media, which is what you've been sharing with me, all of a sudden there's a suction and sort of a void of all that information being disseminated, which it had been throughout the last couple of weeks. And then now you're telling me that these kids, students, are running into the hills pretty much, running away from all this shit. So I imagine that in the next couple of weeks after these kids hopefully manage to get the fuck out of there, because if they're running... I imagine that if they're running is because the police is cracking down, getting more violent, and they got more intelligence. Because they're not just going out there and, you know, raiding some random people's house. No, they probably have surgical, um, you know, accurate information to where they go into a student's house and take his ass and go torture him or whatever the fuck. So then these kids, these students are running because they no longer have the protection of their own people because they've been pointed out. They've been, you know, fingered uh, and, and pointed a finger at and said, okay, you were involved. You played this role. So then these kids, again, 
If they're part of the people, part of the revolution, they're protected. There's safety in numbers, right? But as soon as they've been pointed out, they're like they can't be protected. They have they don't have guns. They don't have so then they have to. That's the so I see that that's the reason why they're running into the hill. So I expect that within the next couple of weeks, there's gonna be a wealth of of proof and information that's gonna come out. Because if you're running away. Like you're gonna be recording stuff and you know, but you're not gonna be able to post it, right? I imagine. Like, like this is serious shit, huh? We know at this point. Just you, you telling me this answers my own question. The violence has not stopped. The attacks have not so. stopped. It's simply the control of the information. They've being become more strategic. More strategic. They've, been, they've become the target specific people, people that are part of the movement. They don't need to come within with an army. They don't need to come and attack you with anything. All they have to say is like, "Oh shit, I know who you are. I know where you live." Fuck that. They don't need to send an army to come look for me. They just send some motherfucker. And, and you know, is hell is, no. is them is them being able to go into another country? Them fleeing is that really freedom? Fleeing into mountains, fleeing into the wilderness. Hell no. That's not freedom. They're fleeing. They have no food. They have no weapons. They have. They don't have any arms. They're being chased by police. They're being chased by paramilitary, by the military, who have denied uh, involvement, but have actually been uh, identified in pictures by you know reporters and people. The military. Everyone is involved. You're being chased into mountains. What's the name of that guy? That's like the picture or. or... Like he's the poster boy of the revolution to a certain extent, right? Of um, what's his name? I forget. Uh, Les Lester Aleman. Uh huh. So yeah, so he he has been the the bad, what you said the post the poster boy the one who you know his face is all over the media because mm -hmm. he called out Daniel Ortega Daniel Ortega during their first dialogue, you know. He told him that we're there to negotiate his exit, and plainly, that, yeah, and that I remember only. seeing. I remember seeing that, and it was very passionate because the they were trying to make it seem like the students were there, a do, a, como a doblegar, a rendirse, right? To kind of yeah. like, okay, here we go. But this motherfucker stepped up and just told him, no, we're here to demand your resignation, pretty much. And, they, and, it, and the revolution, the uprising won't stop until you do, right? Right. And now he's there, and now he's a figure. And now I'm wondering, is he safe as a citizen in Nicaragua? Is, is, is he going to be able to continue? If nothing happens with this regime, uh, is he going to be able power. to live... Comfortably, like as a as a citizen, like just because he was able to speak up and become a figure of the movement, is he gonna be safe? I honestly doubt it. So my question is now: Can the U.S. government and forget about the officials, forget about you know all the Magnitsky acts that they're trying to pass over certain? Can the U.S. government and if they really want to help, can they grant some type of political asylum to the students and to the people who are truly trying to fight this regime to to live a, a you know to maybe whether they want to live a comfortable life here or be protected in Nicaragua you know because of your basic human rights you Can, know the, the thing is that, grant that I think that and I'm sorry to cut you there but it hit home right there you're like 
But how things are right now, it, it seems as though asylum here or outside of the country is the safest place for someone like that. Because in the country itself, how they, we've already discussed today here throughout the show, control of information, you know, that they've been targeted. There's no way to really cry for help, you know. We know about these fleeing into the hilltops from undisclosed information. You know what I mean? Because it's something that hasn't been doctored, hasn't been washed. And so I think that it may come down to the U.S. government or someone outside of the U.S. to have to provide some type of of refuge. I think it should, and I think that would be an ideal situation where um, people who who truly feel like they're being threatened by you know, the current situation to be able to, you know, have some type of freedom, you know, and some type of uh, expression of their own human rights, the right to protest, the right to, to, to speak up, and the right to, you know, to not live in fear, you know. If you consider yourself a democratic country um, and you live in that country, you should be able to live without fear. You know, like this guy, Lester Aleman, I don't know how long he can go on without being able to, you know, without living in fear. Like if some uh, opposing party or opposing like uh, person in in the Sandinista government trying to attack him or recognize, he's gonna, he's a very like now he's gonna be recognized by anybody. You know, in that country, like he's not going to be able to walk so freely I, there. I think, like, I would like just to, you know, add to that. It's just, it's just be real. He's not going to be safe. Like, I'll give you an he's example. Not. And this is, there's a una señora que se llama from Guatemala, uh, Roberta Casares. Oh no, Berta Casares. And she was uh, an environmental activist in Guatemala, fighting against a dam. I think it was the building of a dam. She was very well known. She was like. People know her. Her face is on the news everywhere. All of a sudden, she's dead. All of a sudden, she's dead because she was fighting and was pretty good at fighting the building. So then he was, she was fighting and going against the interests of the government, right? So when she died, what did they say? They said it was a random act of violence. Somebody was trying to steal from her. Bullshit. La mandaron a matar. So then same example, same thing is going to happen. What do you think is going to happen to a kid like this that all of a sudden – pretty much disrespected, you know, Ortega. Like, to me, there's no other way that that these kids are going to be able to stay safe as long as he's in power. You know, they have to flee the country and seek asylum either here in South America or Europe or any other country, and that asylum should be granted, especially in the United States, that claims that they want to be a beacon and protector of democracy. If you're going to really do that, then fucking do it, you know, man up to it or woman up to it and let these people in if they seek asylum, right? Because I don't think, they're, like right. you said, these kids are fleeing into the mountains. These kids put their life on the line for the country, put their life on the line for their people, for democracy in their country, and they rightfully so deserve protection when they might not be able to find it at home once they've been pointed out as individuals, you know? Asylum for people that are just trying to... Uh live an appropriate life, not above their means, but just appropriate to be free. Like you said, to not look over the shoulder, to be able to not flee, but seek real freedom. 
And I want to thank you, Mike, because without you sharing these accounts, you know, we wouldn't know anything outside of what the news shows us. And how we touched on this earlier, yes, we can dig and move around, and, and but again, is we don't know what's happening unless we have feet or ears to the ground. And so, before we close, man, I mean, what do you want to say? What is your plea? What is your your goal tonight? What do you want to say here to close this? Well, first off, I want to thank you guys for having me. Obviously, uh, you guys have a great show. I admire you guys and your your passion towards you know the, the greater good of humanity. Wow. And to to go, you know, to go into the topic, it's 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 always you know politics is always something hard, difficult to get into. But if you're someone who knows me and knows uh, and has had uh, dis- uh, <laughs> discussions with me, Walter, maybe you want, um, you know that I'm I've always been one to to say that we need to look past our borders. Um, during the elections, people were saying that, you know, the Democratic Party is corrupt, so-and-so is corrupt, this, this, and that. It, like, we have it worse than anybody. If you know me, if you have listened to what I've been saying for the past 10 years, I've always been saying that we don't have it that bad here in the United States. Corruption is real just right across our border. And it just takes you for you to just peek across and just look at what's going on. Um, we're lucky here in the United States. If, and if you want to make a difference, if you really want to talk politics, if you really want to talk people and human rights, if you really want to know what's going on in the world and be able to make a difference in a place where you're within arm's reach. Look at countries like Mexico, El Salvador, Honduras, Nicaragua now, Venezuela. It's not very far. Okay? It's not very far. And now it's hitting closer to home and I just want people to just just look and realize and start, you know, just learn how to pick your fights and learn how to, um, you know, pick your news sources. Not, maybe not pick your fights, but, like, just just be aware of uh, what's going on out in the, in the world. And uh, unfairness is unfairness. And if you want to – if you're one to be out in public and stand up to a bully – when they're talking badly to another person that might be of another race, if you're that type of person, then be that type of person when you're seeing unjust actions being taken from upon from a, a government that is basically your neighbor. I just ask that, and I'll end with that, and thank you guys for having me. Alright guys, well we reached the end of the show 
And I want again just uh, thank Mike for for sharing, you know the the accounts. We definitely appreciate it, and you know do you know that putting yourself out there like this is not easy for any type of situation. But I want to just close the night and, and speak for us here, and you know, all three of us. And I definitely hope that everyone listening and can take away from this a few things. The first thing is knowing that you know no government is perfect, no human being is perfect. And the fact that we rely on our government to make our decisions or control the majority of our lives, you tend to forget that we gave these individuals the power that they have. We have the ability to keep people in check, even within our own borders. You know, we look outside of these borders and always think that the lines in the sand can protect us from what we see outside of it. So don't forget that we are the ones that can still keep people in check. You know, don't stay quiet. Make noise. I always say that, and I mean that with every fiber that we talk about today. The lack of and the control of information, be it social media, be it firsthand accounts, be it conversations. There was activations and movements happening before the Internet, just like the aforementioned revolutions that happened all Central America in the past. Things are happening today within our own borders here. Look at the things happening and don't ignore them. Don't think that it can't happen to you. We need to keep people in check, especially if we plan to have a future. Whatever kind of government ends up happening, I don't know what will happen in the future. None of us do. But know this, that we as a people, there are more of us than there are of them. So someone that we put in power needs to be kept in check. And so that we as a people, as familia, raza, human beings have the right to live and to truly be free. So I close tonight and hope everyone can look at today, look forward, but always look around. We didn't sit and have a great night. Ojo, mucho ojo. <laughs> you should add that at the end right there. I just did. Say, 